Hello, I'm Dan Rowden, and this is episode 5 of Mag Heroes, a podcast about magazines and the people who make them. After almost a year, Mag Heroes is back, this time as a fortnightly show, with a new website and artwork to boot, and a revived vigour for talking to magazine makers the world over to find out why they make magazines and how they do it. You can find previous episodes online at magheroes.net or soundcloud.com slash magheroes. You can also subscribe to the podcast through any podcasting app or client. Just search for Mag Heroes. This week, I spoke with Kai Brack, editor of Offscreen, a magazine about the people behind bits and pixels. Hailing from Germany, but based in Melbourne, Australia, Kai will be releasing issue 10 this week. This episode of Mag Heroes is sponsored by Stack, a brilliant magazine subscription service that sends you a different indie magazine every month. I called Steve Watson, founder of Stack, to find out exactly how many magazines he has sent out to subscribers so far. It's um, 70,640 uh, so far. Which, But the, the, the interesting thing about that is that, <clears throat> so just this year, um, like in the, the year to come, uh, you know, kind of if, if things kind of like continue as they're um, predicted, but Stack should do, I, I should send out about half as many magazines this year as I've sent out in the last six years combined. Steve has been mailing magazines to people since 2008 with a simple desire to get people reading these wonderful magazines. It started as a hobby um, because I, you know, I just had this idea that it should be easier to get hold of these magazines. I should just be able to get them out there. And I, at the beginning, I really wasn't concerned about like trying to make money from it. I just didn't think it was going to be a job. If you'd like to get some of these great magazines sent to your door every month, sign up now at stackmagazines.com and get 10% off by using the discount code HEROES, so H-E-R-O-E-S. That's 10% off a Stack subscription when using the code HEROES at stackmagazines.com. A huge thank you to Steve and Stack for supporting Mag Heroes. Now, on with the show. So uh, before you um, became a magazine publisher, you were a web designer. Um, how have you seen your skills uh, translate into your new profession? And can you see any advantages or challenges crossing industries? I think in the beginning, I didn't really see that crossover, that, that um, overlap. <clears throat> I think it only that only became clear once I started um promoting the, 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 the magazine once I had the magazine um, finished wrapped up and printed and then I um, jumped on the web to create a website and try to uh, create an experience that people would enjoy buying the magazine online um, I think to get there um, to actually get the first issue out I, the first thing I realized that there is not much overlap and that I uh, had to um, look at with fresh eyes at everything and um, um, you look at program like basically start um, with a new set of tools, um, learning InDesign from scratch because I didn't really know what what I was doing in InDesign, and so I spent a lot of time online trying to figure out what people, what sort of tools people use to collect um, content, to work with collaborators, to work with contributors. Um, in the process, I learned a lot about typography uh, because on the web, um, as you might know as well, because you do a lot of uh, web stuff, um, typography is only uh, a, a discipline that in the last maybe three to five years has, has matured um, to a level where it's actually enjoyable to use typography. Before then, it was uh, a very, well, it wasn't even uh, wasn't even a discipline, I would say. It was just a, 
a matter of selecting a couple of uh, different uh, type typefaces that you, you had uh, available to you. And so, yeah, so I guess the uh, the biggest step for me was um, figuring out all the things that I didn't know uh, about making the magazine. And then once the magazine was done, I could uh, use my web designer skills to create a website and create uh, and use social media, etc., to um, get the magazine into the reader's hands. Uh, having said that, I think what helped me, um, what help, helps anyone in any profession is just being quite web savvy and knowing um, how to actually use um your um, your web savviness to um, solve problems or to, to find tools. So I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty good with um, just jumping online and s- uh, figuring out whether there's a, a solution, an app, or a service that helps me get stuff done. And so I think um, being quite web savvy helps um, in any profession, um, especially if you're working with a lot of different people and uh, you know spend your time online and email and and chat for most of the day to get stuff done. So I guess uh, yeah that. Being a web person in general was was helpful, but um, the actual <clears throat> design skills or web designer skills, I think there's a, quite a, a small overlap in the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to ask um, about the design specifically. Um, obviously, instead of pushing pixels, as people say, you're creating uh, a physical product um, that needs to flow, and um, you need to have different sections and. How do you find designing for a magazine compared to a website, which may have pages also, but obviously it's a completely different experience? Did you find that you had to uh, kind of reconfigure your design like ethos, or was it quite easy to translate uh, your design experience into a print product? No, absolutely different, completely different categories. And I think even if you design a, a, a digital publication, even then it's it's obviously it's already clear that you have to approach uh, design from a completely different angle. Um, web design, especially now, and I've, I'm saying this as a web designer who hasn't done any um, client work, web design client work for three years now. In those three years that I've been doing off-screen, it has matured and evolved so much that um, even now it's it's so much more complex and so much more refined than what I remember it being when I was uh, starting the magazine. I think with a with the with the magazine, the first thing you have to realize and have to accept is that you're creating something that has a permanence and that you can't um, edit or, or, or iterate on once you finished it. And if, for me, was as a web designer, was a, a really big hurdle to jump and a really big thing to, to grasp in the beginning because um, as, a, as a web designer or if you create anything on the web as a developer, as a designer, as a um, content editor, you, you always have the ability to just jump in there, um, fix your uh, mistakes, your um, make it round or, or updated once new information becomes available. But with, with print, it's, it's just so final, right? Um, and so um, you spend a lot more time um, thinking about the design and how it's perceived, uh, knowing that you can't really go in there and edit it. Um, and uh, I guess uh, with the publication, yes, you do have that. Um, you have a flat plan where, where you know you can play around with, with how features go. But I think uh, especially having not having worked in magazine or having done anything in print before for me it was uh, was very much um um i'd say it was i was blindly just putting something together and then only after the sec- first or second uh, issue I, I realized oh yeah this is actually how it feels and this is how you can actually um build a, a, a thread throughout this this the, the magazine so for me coming from from a web design um um, angle uh, it was very much um, learning by doing and figuring out how um, you know the physical physicality of a magazine affects that user experience 
Um, even though I knew magazines before, I think once you put your own magazine together, it's something that you um, pay a lot more attention to. Um, pay a lot more attention to details once you once you have your own magazine, uh, hold your own magazine in your hands. And so um, I think doing st web web stuff. It seems now, and I'm saying this, uh, maybe it sounds a bit arrogant, but it seems a lot easier now doing web stuff because everything is always replaceable. <laughs> Uh, there is not this one day where you have to export that f final file and send it to the printer and then it's done. You can't do anything about it. And then usually five minutes later or a day later, you find you know the typos that you missed and you find um, the, the image that where the colors are off. Um, and that is such a frustrating realization um, in a way. But on, on the other hand, it is what makes print print. And after a while, I think you come to appreciate it and people... Um, your readers come to uh, understand that too. Um, I have a lot of readers that tell me that yes, there is a comma missing, but come on, it's print. It's awesome. It's 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 cool because it has these little quirks and it makes <laughs> it so much more personal, right? So, do you enjoy the process of making something digitally, editing as much as you like, then sending off a final release, as it were, to be turned into an uneditable physical product? And which one do you prefer more, the digital or the print side of things? Um. I think um, the uh, I, I enjoy both. I think the nice thing of being um, a sole uh, person, a sole one-man operation with off-screen is that I spend three months or so um, working on the magazine, and once it's done, I'm I, I can actually put that aside and then put my web designer hat on and go on the, online and and and, and you know, tweak my website and and. and go back in the, the editor and, and, and Photoshop and actually work with different tools. So I really enjoy both. I think um, having that distance um, in between issues is, is quite nice. Um, but yeah, as, as I said before, it's, it's nice to be able to just jump in and, and edit things. Um, having said that, the, the print, you know, the, 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 the format, the print format is, is nice because it is so permanent. And so now I, I look at my, sh my bookshelf and there's, uh, almost 10 issues uh, on my shelf and there's a lot of things that are wrong with with them there's a lot of little mistakes that I made but it's what it is and I'm, I'm sort of proud of them as well um, at least I have something to look back on um, with all the stuff that I've done over the last 10 years as a web designer there's not much left so I can't really look at stuff that I've, I've done 10 years ago um, unless you know there's a, a web uh, sorry a, a photoshop file that I can open if it if it does open in Photoshop, because it's, you know there's another ten version that has come out <laughs> since then, but um, yeah, it's 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 nice to just have have something uh, have a record of what you've of what you've done, even if it isn't perfect. Um, with digital, you can't really. There's also no no one point where it is perfect or it is it is done. Um, you know, it's ever it's ever evolving. Yeah. So whatever, if you work in a team, if you do a website for a client that has a, a, a an internal web design or web development team you deliver a design um, and two weeks later it already looks different and two months later it might be completely different to what you designed because they changed it according to what the user stats, uh, user stats um, the, the, the analytics tools um, tell them uh, it should look like. And so, yeah, that, that permanence right. is quite, uh, is, is something that I, I, I really don't want to give up um, but it's also nice to jump back online and have that flexibility um, of just yeah doing whatever you want you can make it look green today and, and blue tomorrow and um yeah it's it's nice to have that flexibility sometimes yeah i guess you're at a good kind of intersection of print and web design because 
your website is one of the more modern and more, I guess, developed uh, indie magazine websites with its own ordering system and things like that. Um, but then, yeah, you have the print side, which I guess it sounds like you really enjoy as well. Do you, I mean, you're, you're coming from a, a web background. You've focused off screen on the uh, the field that you know and you have a passion for. Um, how was it? How easy was it finding the interviews for the first issue? And how how have you found broadening your scope, like you did um, a few issues in, bringing in more varied stories from different, slightly different industries, but within the tech scene. Um, the first issue, as you said, was uh, the first few issues were a little bit different because I think I relied uh, quite heavily on the people that I already knew through um, you know, Twitter and Facebook and just being online. And um, you might know as well that um, if you work on the web, um, it's quite easy to build uh, a, a quite nice, a quite a nice network of people that use similar tools and um, you know share things online. Uh, especially in the web design scene, there's a lot of people that. Um, produce great work and people tend to follow um, people that um, are, are vocal about creating work, uh, and, you know, being being in the, in the community. If you go to events, there's a lot of people you meet there. So I, I guess I was relying on, on the people that I already knew and uh, that made it fairly easy. Um, having said that, I, I think after a couple of issues or three issues, I realized that uh, it's it feels almost like a, a bit of an um, exclusive group of, of folks that um, uh, I've Follow, I follow online, so I, I try to um, broaden that as, as, as a little bit, as, as you said, and also include more people that are not directly part of that designer and developer group, but also use the tools that we make online to um, do other things, to build businesses, to just be creative. And um, so I guess uh, with every issue, I find it a little bit harder to um, stay true to that uh, vision of broadening, broadening my spectrum of, of, of contributors. Um, and especially finding people from diverse backgrounds. And um, as you might also know, there's a big um, discussion about um, gender diversity or the lack of gender diversity in, in, in the web community. So I'm really struggling finding you know, more female contributors in, a, in an industry that is heavily, heavily male, um, Caucasian male. Um, and so I guess, um, yeah, I think overall it helps traveling, helps um, being part of, of events and, com and the community um, that um, evolves around these these um, events in San Francisco, New York, and other big cities in Berlin. There's lots going on. Uh, there's a bit of a community in Melbourne. Um, so I think meeting people face-to-face -face is always the, the easiest way to break the ice, especially if you try to uh, interview people that are quite busy and they're quite, I guess, famous in, in those circles uh, because they get a ton of email every day and... Uh, if, you send, if I send them an email asking for an interview, I would be just one of, of many. And um, so that's one of the biggest challenges for me at the moment is that um, I need to uh, get hold of people that are already quite busy. And um, yeah, to be honest, it doesn't really get easier. I thought that after a few issues, it gets easier because the magazine becomes a bit more well-known and more respected, which is true. But at the same time, um, there's so much content being produced 24-7. It's really hard to make your voice heard. Um, people they read magazine. The first thing, the first thing they think uh, in an email is uh, online zine. And uh, who, has, who has time for another interview for an online zine that no one knows and no one reads? <laughs> um, so I, I find that still a bit of a challenge. Um, but yeah, I, I think I started with the last few issues. I also started to be a bit more vocal about it on online on my blog and through Twitter and Facebook and try to 
let people know why it's a struggle to find um, you know uh, people from South Africa that do um, cool things why it's hard to find to get more um, women in my in my lineup for the interview um, yeah hopefully with being more vocal about it and letting people know that I'm struggling I'll, I'll hopefully get more suggestions and more people offering um, to make connections but I think every magazine publisher struggles uh, with finding great content and you know finding the contributors finding really cool people to interview is just part of that it's just um, the challenge of making a magazine um, how do you deal with featuring a company once and then obviously having more issues to make like uh, if you feature a big tech company do you ever feature them again or do you have to I guess they're pressured to find new uh, companies that people might not have heard of it depends really I mean this industry is moving so fast. One person might work for company X one week, a company you know Y the, the next, and then the beginning of the year they've already uh, started a new one. Um, it depends. It really depends. If they, if I think that uh, people can contribute to the magazine in a way that they haven't done before, um, I'm happy to feature them, um, whether it's a company or an individual. Um, sometimes also, um, you know, depending on what sort of quality they, they deliver, um, if a company, if a person working for a company, um, has, has uh, access to really, really awesome shots of the, of the, of the workspace, uh, then I might feature the workspace again, be, uh, even though I've, I've already talked to the person to issues before. Um, it really just depends on the situation, but, um, of course I try to keep it as diverse and as, um, you know, um, open as possible but sometimes sometimes uh, at the end of the day when you we had a really rough day uh, finding people or talking to people you sometimes just go the easier route <laughs> and if there's someone that offers you yeah, right. content <laughs> that has been featured before then you go okay it's still amazing content let's have them again maybe two or three issues uh, apart yeah i can imagine that it's quite tough to keep it quite exclusive and feature people just once but um how, how do people from obviously a tech or uh, web background how do they react to you asking for them to be featured in a print magazine are they like enthusiastic or are they kind of a bit wary of it what's the um what's the vibe from the the tech industry when talking about print hmm. i think the, the the one rule is that there is no rule there's so many different uh, answers that i i totally expected and so many different answers that i didn't expect at all so you get you know, a really f uh, famous, and when I say famous, I mean quite f well known in our in our industry. Uh, people that uh, I, e I contact and send an email, and they get back to me within four hours and say, "Oh, I'm a big fan of your magazine. Let's do it." Um, I've got uh, a photographer in mind. I've I've got uh, a person who can help me set aside time to uh, do everything, get get you all the inf information you need, blah blah blah. And then you contact someone that is uh, just running his own blog. Uh, or, or having a, her own little design um, agency and you never hear back from them. So you, you, it's really hard to judge by the profile people have online, uh, whether they are a good person to to collaborate with. Um, I think, as I said before, the more issues you produce, the more well-known the magazine gets. Uh, the name gets a bit more out there and people recognize off-screen as something that at least they have heard of being um, well-respected. Uh, a lot of times it is indeed the fact that I contact people and they are readers or they have at least bought one or two issues or received one of the uh, one or two issues over the last few years um, the, the, the the community the industry is quite even though it's it's uh, large in terms of um, you know it's, it's a global network of people but um, because there's so many events and so many uh, tools we use online 
and, and open source software that we share, I think it's still quite well connected. So people do uh, talk about certain things um, to, uh, they, they do, um, you know, exchange their opinion and ideas about it. So if a friend is featured in the magazine, I'm pretty sure most of the people that follow that person on, on Twitter or Facebook will have heard of Offscreen uh, at some point. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the t generally um, the, the, the feedback is, is positive, um, which doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they can make time and get uh, contribution done and, and on time. Um, so, yes, that's the other thing. I sometimes have people that are super enthusiastic. They, they can't wait to get started, and um, they want to start today, and I, I send them information, and I never hear back from them. <laughs> so, yeah. So, hearing you talk about all these uh, behind-the-scenes <laughs> um, goings-on uh, brings me to your blog, um, the off-screen blog. Um, it's become kind of a, I guess, like a shining light in the industry a, a little bit. Um, people refer to it quite a lot, well, I've seen it at least online. Um, I, but I can see that it's also an extension from your your past in the web. It's just kind of sharing things and um, putting ideas out there. And um, But I guess for publishing, it's kind of a new a new shiny toy that people aren't really used to. How have you seen it, um, the blog, go down with uh, fellow publishers? And have you seen any other people like, take up the, the gauntlet, as it were? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I can generalize. I think there are some magazines that have used uh, my blog as a source of inspiration or a source of information to um, you know work with their printer to find a printer. A lot of people use the same printer now that I use in Berlin because they they came across it through Offscreen. Um, other people just um, you know go go to the to the blog to to um, browse some of the pretty pictures I upload sometimes. It's really hard to generalize, and I don't, to be honest, I don't know how much more established magazines have uh, taken note of it or, or, or read it. Um, I do know that a lot of people, uh, whenever I post, um, I put, put something up that is about um, you know, something very transparent about the magazine, for example, how much money I made or how I, how I um, accumulate sponsors or how I work with contributors, etc., uh, I do get a lot of feedback, but I think it's mostly from my readers, to be honest. I think they're really interested, even though they most of them are, work in the web in a digital space. They, they're they quite interested in, in, in seeing how a magazine gets made. Um, and then there, are, of course, are you know certain people like um, Steve from Stack Magazines who um, regularly shares um, stuff from my blog because he finds it really um, fresh and interesting. Um but um, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell, and I'm not I'm not sure how much it influenced other people. I know that uh, a lot of people are uh, interested in reading it. I'm not sure if it influenced them in in, in, in in a way that they decide to run their own blog and, and be as open about it. And I haven't seen, to be honest, I haven't seen many blogs um, that do something similar. I know that a lot of magazines do blogs where they feature content from their print issues. I haven't really seen anything that um, is trying to. Um, you know, has the same approach that I have, and I wish I would. There would be more, um, especially, um, yeah. Like a few weeks ago, I, I published a, a review um, on um, 2014 things that I've done, and just basically run through all the posts I've published and, and the events I've attended, and, and, and the little and, and big achievements I had with Offscreen. And I'd love to see that um, from other publishing um, or other publishers for other magazines. Because I think it's uh, it's great to to um, look back at a year and 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 just reflect a little bit on on, on what you've achieved. It helped me as much as as, uh, as help it helped my readers because they get a nice summary and um, a list of links to go through. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Uh, I just do it because I I know that my readers appreciate it, and a lot of readers that uh, buy the magazine, I think, are now buying the magazine not just because they like the magazine and the content in the magazine. I think they buy the magazine because they're part of that story. They sort of followed me for long enough to really get to know me, and it's almost like a an emotional and a and a, and a friendship, um, an emotional bond and a friendship between the publisher and the reader now, and it's almost like they feel a little bit like they let me down if they don't um, fo keep following it all the way through. Um, so in that way, I think it helped, uh, really helped establish a, a close connection with my readers as well. Yeah. I mean, also coming from, from the website of things, it, it kind of, it's a bit shocking, I think, to see how how underutilized like blogging and sometimes Twitter as well is used by publishers because, I mean the the reactions you get and like the shares and the amount of people that must have come across off screen from your blog posts or people sharing it must be um more than other publishers see um so like it's a tool that people just don't seem to use and it's a shame because like you said it'd be nice to see from other publishers similar posts and like um how they do things or like a year review i wonder if it will change in the future or not yeah, I'm wondering whether um, whether it works the same way for other magazines, though, because keep in mind that Offscreen, the readership of Offscreen is very web-savvy. They love um, seeing other industries, and I hate this word, but um, disrupted. Um, so they, they love seeing uh, traditional industries being um, opened up by someone that comes from their own circle, from the, from the web community. And that's why, you know, if you look at the entrepreneurship and startup scene and, and on, on, online, uh, there's a lot of people that uh, come from the web community. They see a problem. They try to fix it somehow. And I guess in a way I try to do that with my blog a little bit as well because I started doing the magazine and I realized there's no no one's openly talking about the challenges of making a magazine. There's a few books that are completely outdated that you can buy on Amazon and can read. And then you know what they did five years ago. But there's nothing really that um, shows you um, how what, the, what are the big struggles. Um, when I first talked to... A publisher, uh, before I even uh, started with Offscreen, I talked to her on the phone, an editor, and um, and she basically told me that I need a whole team of people. You know, you, if you want to do it properly, you need uh, a publisher, you need an editor, you need a proofreader, you need someone to uh, design the magazine, you need someone to market the magazine, etc., etc. And so that left me um, pretty frustrated because I, I, I didn't want to hear that I can't do it. I wanted to know what the things are that I need to do. And um, I, th I think, yeah, so with the blog, I'm trying to basically tell other people, okay, this is, I can't, you can't do it yourself. Um, <clears throat> if you do it yourself, it is uh, sometimes challenging. It is a lot of hard work, but this is what you need to do. And this is how I do it. Um, and so to go back to your question, I think the problem or the, the, the difference with Offscreen is that it's, uh, I'm serving a very, very web savvy um, readership that wants to hear this sort of stuff because they almost are used to it. If you make a magazine about uh, cooking, for example, or about traveling, your audience might not be that interested in, in, in you know, producing that magazine. They might be more interested in <clears throat> in you running, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> in you running a blog that um, uh, ex extends the content that you provide in the magazine, right? So you, you they want to hear more uh, stories about traveling and more photos, etc., which is quite successful as well for magazines like Serial, for example. Um, you know, they have a really beautiful website and they share um, a playlist for, for songs that go well with the magazine. They share recipes, they share uh, amazing photos, and I'm pretty sure it works well for them. 
So I don't think that same approach um, is helps other magazines as much as it helps me because I've got a very web savvy audience in the first place. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. It depends um, where you're coming from. Um, it just it just would be nice to see, to hear from other publishers uh, what they're up to, and I guess it would definitely um, I think it would increase their readership or at least make their current readership more uh, kind of tied to them and feel like they. Uh, know more about the magazine yeah i think if you if you look um, at you mentioned sorry if you look at um just quickly if you look at the instagram accounts of other magazines as soon as they um publish a post uh, sorry a photo of uh, anything behind the scene like a, a, a person uh, um, picking up the, the the proofs from the printer um, the, these uh, photos will always gather the most likes the most comments and like oh man i can't wait you know this is awesome show me more uh, it really shows that people want to feel part of the process of the, of the, the making of the magazine. And yeah, as you said, it's, ama- it's, it's, it's astounding that not more people, more magazine, more publishers um, are making use of that excitement that comes out of, um, um, you know, people's anticipation of a new issue. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, if you just think about a magazine producing issues throughout the year, it's not that interesting when it, there isn't a new issue out. But if you can build up the uh, like like you do, I guess you release some images before the issue comes out, and obviously these behind the scenes posts, it's kind of constantly building up to the next issue, and then when the next issue comes out, it's like uh, kind of the tip of the iceberg, and then it will start again, and it's it's a nice little cycle. Um, whereas otherwise, it's just kind of issue. We've got a new issue out, and that's it. That's all you hear. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you know, that might work for magazines that do. Um, that, that concentrate on getting in as many newsstands as possible, and they, they um, um, you know, um, move stock um, that way, the traditional way, through retailers and through through shops on, um, on in, in in the real life. But if you have some sort of pro- online presence and you have a following, which a lot of magazines do, they have quite a lot of uh, Twitter or, or Facebook or, or, or Instagram followers. Um, yeah, you should t- totally make use of that and and, and try to. Um, engage more people and again that word engage i hate that but <laughs> um yeah <laughs> i was actually just yesterday i was speaking to uh, quite a um a well-known instagram photographer he's got like seven hundred fifty thousand um photos uh, sorry f- followers on on instagram and he said it's amazing how much you can do with uh, um just a, a big following not just um in terms of what what your 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 readers and uh, sorry your, your followers uh, contribute to the conversation but also uh, how it opens up new um, new opportunities. Like this guy is traveling around the world, shooting photos for some of the biggest brands because they, um, you know, recognize that he's um, he's online. He's he's got a big following. Uh, follow uh, followership. What do you call it? Followership. <laughs> uh, followership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, he's he's well connected. He's he's he knows how to uh, have a conversation with his uh, with his fans. And yeah, just make use of it. Um, I could probably do a lot more as well myself, but. Um, yeah, there's definitely a start. <laughs> um, you touched before about printing uh, in Berlin. Um, how do you find uh, kind of making a magazine halfway around the world and then having it printed in a completely different place? Because it seems to be, obviously, there's quite a few magazines being printed there now. Like, I think Hello Mr. is printed there from the US. And um, yeah, it's just it seems to be a bit of a trend to print in Germany at the moment. Do you find it's difficult to to arrange that, and how do you how do you manage making something, sending the files like around the world, and then kind of handling the the physical product when it's when it's made? 
Um, it's challenging, no doubt about it. I think it would be a lot easier if I had my printer around the corner. Uh, having said that, um, let me first say that the, the prices that I get, and I'm, I'm based in Melbourne in Australia where the cost of living is extremely high and um, produced, anything produced in Australia uh, would make it already a challenge to um, keep it sustainable because it's, the cost is so high. So producing it in Berlin and sending the magazines out from Berlin uh, around the world to my readers uh, has made everything possible. I, I literally couldn't, I wouldn't be here right now if, if I hadn't used them. Um, but that, yeah, as I said, it's it's not to say that it doesn't come with a certain set of challenges that other people don't have and that you use the printer around the corner. Um, and especially for someone like me who hasn't doesn't have a lot of experience in print, so for me it's uh, extra challenging because I sometimes don't know exactly what um, what I'm doing, to be to be frank. Um, so, um, for example, yesterday I went to a local printer here in Melbourne to have a few pages of the magazine of the next issue that's coming out soon uh, proved. Um, so they, um, I found this printer who uses the same color profile in their printing. They can print to a certain standard, so I, I roughly know what um, the colors will look on paper. Um, and you know, it's it, so I use them to show me what the the, the colors will look like, and then I um, tweak the file a little bit more, send them to Berlin. But eventually. Uh, so, uh, the, 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 the first time I actually see the magazine is pretty much the first time everyone else or my readers will see the magazine. So there's no way for me to inter intervene if there's something wrong with it. And in the past, it has uh, happened several times that there were little uh, problems with the magazine. There were the, the, the color, the, the, the cover was slightly uh, off uh, in terms of color ones, and there was um, the, the little gimmicks, the little ads, uh, add-ons that I put in the magazine, like. Um, Stickers or, or bookmarks um, sometimes are not turn out don't turn out exactly the same way that I wanted to. So you know there's issues, but yeah, as I said, I, I, without having the the printer in Berlin, it's it's impossible to make the magazine. And being able to speak to them in German and, and communicating quite clearly um, is again an advantage for me that other publishers don't have. For example, um, Hello Mister Ryan, who publishes Hello Mister, so they have to communicate in English, and I know that. You know, my printer is uh, the English. The English is quite quite okay, but it's not um, the same as speaking to me in, in in German. And every time I go back to Berlin, I hang out with them. I have, I have dinner with them, and it's it's a very close relationship. So I think for someone that doesn't have that relationship, it might be even harder. Um, but to to wrap up uh, uh, my long answer, I think uh, it also shows that um, nowadays, just like with the web, we don't really depend on location as much anymore. It is possible to create something sitting um, on the beach in Thailand uh, to create your publication and then send the files off, have it printed in Berlin, have it shipped from Berlin and do an outsource pretty much everything you need to do um, to create a magazine. And that's pretty powerful if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, you, you, your involvement after sending the files is just kind of building up sales, right? And then sending the shipping details and then everything's kind of automated from that. Um, yeah, I have a, a system in place that collects um, all the order details from someone that orders online, and um, I send out a weekly file um, to my shipper in Berlin. So there are two different companies. There's a printer and a shipper, and the shipper receives the magazine on a on a pallet um, from the from the printer, and they get a, a weekly order file that they then uh, process, and um, you know they print the shipping labels, put everything in envelopes, and send it off to my readers. And again, it's not, you know, in print, nothing is perfect. There are problems with shipping. There are packages missing. Um, there are you know, damaged 
uh, goods that you send to someone else, somewhere else in the world that um, never arrived there or there's all this stuff, but it's, that happens to every everyone, no matter where you are located. Um, and um, yeah, it's it, it is a nice once it once it's actually all running, once it's it's it's, it's you've done it a few times with a few issue, it becomes a lot more smoother. Um, to actually get it first set up is always a bit of a um, you know learning by doing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and you just wrapped up your tenth issue, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've uh, I've done. Pretty much everything. I'm, I'm still tweaking a couple of pages and the cover, and um, sending the files off to the printer. Hopefully tomorrow. So, I guess by the time the, the um, podcast goes online, it will be uh, at the printer. And the um, I think the presses start rolling on Monday uh, next week. Um, and hopefully everything goes well, and then uh, shipping starts in the last week of January. Yeah. Okay. Exciting. And uh, have you, you done something special for the tenth issue? Um, yes, it's kind uh, of like an anniversary uh, issue. Yeah, I've done something a little bit special, but I don't want to. I've, I've been talking about this <laughs> online, and now it's filled up, and everyone's going to be really disappointed because it's not. Uh, you know, they don't get a, a voucher for a new Tesla car in the in the uh, uh, in the magazine. It's just a little a little something different that I don't want to talk too much about. But it's it's uh, I, yeah. I just basically want to. <laughs> acknowledge and recognize that it's been 10 issues and I want to thank the uh, my readers and my contributors. Um, so it's just a, a, a little uh, a special version, let's just say, but it's it's not hugely different. Okay, cool. Okay, um, so I asked you to uh, think of three magazines that you would recommend. Um, do you have uh, the list there? And just explain why you recommend them. Uh, I picked uh, four. Um, let me just say that I don't really read many magazines frequently um, also because I don't have time but um, I've, I, every now and then I receive mag- magazines in the mail and um, and I meet meet up with some publishers in Melbourne here whenever I get a chance uh, the first one that I want to mention is uh, a food magazine uh, called Scrag End and it's published here in Melbourne uh, the guy that I met up with his name is Sasha Rust and I'm pretty sure I'm not 100% sure but um, he does it with his brother um, so it's a collaboration between two brothers and um, one of them is a chef or maybe both I'm not sure but uh, it's a really beautiful little uh, magazine about producers um, in Australia I think they have a theme for every issue and this one is uh, the producers but it's uh, I picked it because first of all it's a really nice um, publication and I really like uh, I really appreciated him coming over and, and introducing himself and having a chat with me but it's also a nice example for how um, people working in a different industry um, decide to make a magazine. So these guys are, are you know, working in the hospi- hospitality scene and they liked um, food and talking about food so much that they decided to make a magazine. And I think, sure, there's a lot of food magazines, but um, I welcome anyone that um, is so passionate about their profession that it... Um, it uh, makes him venture out into something completely different. And so this is a great example for that. The other magazines I've got here is um, Delayed Gratification, um, which many of your listeners will know. Um, I met Rob, the editor, at um, last year's uh, Modern Magazine Conference in London. And I was equally impressed with his with his talk as I was impressed with the magazine itself. It's just a, an amazing accomplishment every single issue. Um, really, really think that um, what they're trying to do, slow journalism, is something that the world needs and uh, something that a lot more people should take note of because um, 
yeah, I'm I'm really getting really frustrated with the uh, the speed of the news cycle these days and 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 the attention grabbing headlines we see online. So I think this is a very welcome break from um, the um, super fast journalism online. The other magazine I've got here is uh, Hello Mister, which we mentioned before. Uh, Ryan Fitzgibbons um, is a I would say is a friend of mine. I don't really see him that often, but um, whenever we get a chance to talk and hang out, uh, it's always super lovely to exchange, uh, you know, shared frustrations, fit, uh, shared challenges in making a magazine. And he also started as a as a one man band with the first issue, and I think he's now hired a couple of people to help him with uh, with Hello Mister. He also got picked up by Ingram, one of the bigger distributors in, in America, and he's now stocked in, I don't know, a gazillion shops around America, which is really lovely to see, um, you know, having one one person, a one-man magazine having such success in the US, which is a really hard market to, to crack. Um, and the last, I know it's usually three, but the last uh, issue, the uh, last magazine I want to mention here is something that has disappeared from the newsstand. Um, it's a tiny little magazine, smaller than DNA5. Its name is Collect. And it's a magazine that came out of Adelaide, I think, South Australia. And it's just this really beautiful um, little collectible magazine that really heavily influenced me when I first started with Offscreen because it's such a uh, a unique um, design, such a unique approach, very big ambition, uh, ambitions for a, for a small local magazine, beautifully executed, and it again showed to me when I started off-screen that you don't really need a huge team or a big, uh, uh, you don't need a, a huge background in, in publishing either, you just um, create the magazine that you really want to create, the magazine that you want to exist in the world and then go from there. So uh, it's a shame that it's no longer published. Uh, if you look it up online, Collect Magazine, it's just a, yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I think quite a lot of people were upset when that <laughs> stopped being printed. Uh, it was a, it's a nice little little magazine that's um, well Kai thank you for being on the show um, and I wish you well for issue 10 and onwards um, you can find Offscreen online at offscreenmag.com and as offscreenmag on Twitter and Facebook uh, you can find Kai on Twitter as Kai Brack to get new Mag Heroes episodes in your inbox sign up to the brand new newsletter at magheroes.net slash newsletter you can also follow Mag Heroes on Twitter as magheroes all previous episodes are on the website magheroes.net and in iTunes, Stitcher or any good podcasting app. Just search for Mag Heroes and they should show up. Okay, thanks Kai um, and speak to you soon. Thanks for having me and uh, yeah, keep on um, doing that awesome podcast. It's great to have people like you um, supporting the indie publishing scene with a great, um, yeah, great show. Thanks. Well, thank you Kai. It's my pleasure. A huge thank you to Stack for sponsoring this show. Bye, Steve. Bye, Dan. Cheers. And I'll see you all again soon. Bye for now.